0: Welcome to Spooky
1: South Coast. Look, I know the supernatural is something that isn't supposed to happen, but it doesn't. AM
2: 1420, WBSM presents Spooky South Coast with your hosts Tim Weisberg and Matt Costa.
3: Good evening and welcome to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, along with the silent assassin, Matt Costa, science advisor, Matt Moniz, and joining us tonight for his monthly in-studio appearance, Jeff Belanger, author, mayor of ghostvillage.com, and pretty much all kinds of other paranormal things. What, what's what's on tap now for, for 2009? Got some new projects coming out?
4: Yeah, I got a couple things going on. I'll be uh, working on season two of Ghost Adventures. Uh, got renewed for for another season, so that'll be fun. I've got a couple books I'm working on. And, uh, you know, probably more music because, you know, that's my new thing now is writing music.
3: Now now you're going to start, uh, you know, making certain contract writers, uh, certain things you have to have, brown M&Ms
4: oh, yeah. and a brandy glass. Yeah. No, no. I li- and I appreciate the big bowl of cocaine you have here for me tonight. <laughs> so thank you.
3: Well, that's for everybody. Share because we have a, oh, a big show tonight. Oh,
4: now this is awkward. Now this is awkward <laughs> because I'm really not into sharing. But okay. I guess we'll play it your way. It's Christmas. Well, speaking of And this, it's snowing in here. It
3: is. It's crazy. Speaking of uh, Jeff's music, we're going to play his brand new Christmas song a little bit later on tonight. So that you was a good
4: segue, wasn't it?
3: Yes, that's, that's, that's
4: yeah. See, beautiful. I was thinking
3: beautiful. The, the synchronicity here is amazing. Right. Well, we are we are Spooky South Coast. We talk about the paranormal here each and every Saturday night. Normally, we're on the air from 10 p.m. to midnight, but because of NFL football, we've been bumped back a little bit. And the way that the uh, snow is falling, thank goodness for that, because it looks like we're going to want to be out of here pretty soon. But uh, we have an action-packed show for you because we're going to be talking about our investigation recently of the Fearing Tavern in Wareham, Massachusetts. For those of you unfamiliar, it is a tavern that was built in 1693, and it's, uh, it's undergone relatively little changes since then. They've, they've had an addition built on, uh, and they've changed around the inside from when it was a private dwelling, making it look a little bit more historical now. But uh, it's essentially unchanged in over 300 years. So we're going to talk about our investigation into that. And we have joining us in the studio right now, we have Carlson Wood of Phantom PI. That's his group. And we have uh, Andrew Lake of Greenville Paranormal Research. They were both on hand for the investigation along with a few others. And we're hoping to bring some more people in during the course of the evening uh, because, you know, it it was such a unique opportunity to investigate this location. And uh, we had Mike Markowitz with us who is uh, an EVP authority, and and the way he gets EVPs is a little bit different than the way you might have normally uh, heard about. He's going to bring in some examples uh, that he got from the Fearing Tower. I think he got, what was it, like 49 different distinct EVPs out of there? Uh, I
4: believe the actual number was a bunch. Yeah.
3: (laughs) To be a little bit more precise, a bunch. I got you. And some of them are really, really interesting. Matt Koss and I have been fighting about these since they were first revealed to us because I think uh, what he has is pretty profound, and that's is a little bit more skeptical so we'll definitely debate those uh when we play them a little bit later on but this is
1: uh,
3: it f- for you guys do this all the time i'm sure matt carl andy when you go into investigations you go into places and you kind of have preconceived notions of what might be going on there uh, based not just on reports that you might have heard, but also when you look at a place and you say, "Wow, that's a creepy-looking place," or "That's a very old place," and that's kind of why we investigated this place in the first hand. You know, I'd always looked at it. I look at it every day. I see it every day, and it always looked creepy to me. I always got a feeling from it. I'd heard a few stories. Carl, you actually know somebody that had a private exp- private experience there. That's a personal correct. Experience there. Sorry. And so that kind of built things up to make me want to get in there.
4: Well, may- can we start, Tim? Can- because I'm, I'm the lone person here who hasn't been to the exactly, camera. Yeah. Can you can you uh, maybe set the scene for us? What does it look like? I know it's you, as you said, it's over 300 years old, but uh, what's it look like? What, yeah. what kind of building was it?
3: it? It really just looks like a house. I mean, it looks like a, a, an older house. Uh, it's located right down near the Tremont Nail Factory, so it's it fits that historical area of town. Um, but it, it's a colonial garrison. Yeah, it's really it's and it's exactly unchanged, so it still looks the same way it did then. Uh, but there are a few tweaks to it. That's a little bit different than what would be in a normal garrison. You know, they have the they have the uh, the side yard, and it was it used to have a big backyard, which is now a, a diner, which you know is an eyesore. <laughs> right. But I, I, if you can imagine, you know what what that estate would have looked like in colonial times, now kind of squeezed into a little postage size stamp of land.
4: And and how did you hear that it might be haunted, or did you know at all?
3: Well, I, I personally had no idea. I mean, just wanted uh, to check it out. I just wanted to check it out because I knew it was old and because I knew, in my belief of what ghosts are and what the paranormal is, I think that it should just be there anyway. Okay. And so when Carl and I had started talking about it and he told me the story that, and, and Carl, why don't we have you relate that story?
2: Yes, I have a, a stepdaughter named Ashley and uh, at, I guess at a certain time when they were in school, um, they had gone to the museum on a tour. Um, and apparently, she was at the end of the tour line, and they had gone through the different rooms um, and at the secret tunnel room or the secret passage room, which is the one that 's upstairs uh, that you go into the small door and it uh, you access into the front room mm-hmm. on the second floor if you 're looking at the at the building, I believe it 's on the right hand side, uh, they were going through the secret passageway, uh, and her friend and herself were at the very tail end of the line and she had looked being at the end of the line over her shoulder and looked at the rocking chair that was in the room, the antique rocking chair, and had noticed um, an older woman in period clothing uh, rocking back and forth and knitting uh, with a pair of knitting needles. Um, And she had looked back at her friend to see if she was noticing it too because there was nobody there when they entered the room. Mm. Now that they were leaving the room this person was there. so, what happened was, she kind of glanced back at her friend, and she glanced back at her, and, and they kind of looked at each other like, gee, that's odd. And as they turned back around, there was nobody there. Uh, and they kind of went through the tour, and they you know, didn't mention it to anybody yet until they got outside, and they kind of mentioned it to each other. And they were, you know, astounded that they had even seen anything at all. And of course, uh, myself having a long interest in the paranormal and, and actually growing up in a a house that was built in 1760, um, and experiencing some of these things on my own, um, I kind of took an interest in it at that point.
4: So, so, so you had a, a hearsay story, and and what's cool about a place like this is, uh, as investigators, we know the subject's so popular right now. Mm-hmm. So many television shows, radio shows, blogs, wet you know, books, everything. Um, you know, it, it's it's great to find virgin territory. So that must have been well, pretty cool to get in there.
3: That's the thing too. Is like if you search Fearing Tavern on the internet, you don't get any ghost stories popping up. I mean, it's I not, saw a
4: MySpace page actually because I looked before coming today.
3: And, but that's for you know that's for the tours that they do there. But right. there's there's no real ghost reports coming out of there, and so to to be able to have something come out of there kind of proves at least in my mind that you don't have to have people having experiences to document activity. We kind of got into this last week, Jeff, and I'm sure it's something you've explored in your books in the past, but Mac and I were kicking around the topic of, you know, did things happen because we were there? Uh, and is that because we were there to realize it was happening and we were there to document it or did it happen because we were there to foster it in some way, to create it almost?
4: Well, if a tree falls in the woods and Mm -hmm. you're not there to hear it, I mean, it's the age old discussion. Man is the measure of all things. Uh, you know which which would argue that uh, you need a human observer, I mean in some of these things. Um, maybe that's that's a part of it. maybe there's there's an energy they feed off of, maybe it's uh, it's dormant until someone can tune it in.
3: Well, and let's talk, too, about the, the process that we went through to actually be able to go in and investigate this location because it's kind of in the news a lot lately. And I know Matt Moniz has a story he can share with us a little bit later on uh, that came out in the news this week, actually today, today's newspaper. But uh, we've heard it in other states, too, recently where there's been historical locations where groups wanted to get in and investigate, and the town is saying no. Yeah. And they don't mind, you know, you coming in and taking a tour or bringing your investigation equipment on a tour, but they don't want to shut the place down and give you access to it. And the Wareham Historical Society was just immensely, immensely helpful. They were they from day one. They were right on board. Uh, Carolyn McMorrow, the director, is you know she's kind of. A paranormal uh, fan. She's interested in it, and so she wanted to know if there was anything going on, even though she'd never had any experiences. So all I really had to do was just present to them the idea, and they said, "Sure, whenever you want to do it."
4: You know, I, I understand certainly. Um, you know, having worked on books and even television shows on some of these things, that for some people, this reputation creates problems. Mm-hmm. It's, they're going to have people trying to trespass. I totally understand that. But for people who handle it right, and you know, if you want to. Forget the discussion about the paranormal being real or not real for the moment. The legends are real. It's perceived as real. And if, if used correctly, it can be an incredible learning tool for kids. It can be a draw for people that want to come check these places out. Uh, and, it's, and it's such a historical lesson because you can't study this stuff without also studying history.
3: Mm-hmm. And, and that was kind of our selling point. You know, we, you need this to teach it because they're not really bringing in the Torah dollars for this location. So,
5: Well, I've found that uh, every time I've gone to Great Britain, and visited all the many historic sites they do, definitely do not hide the fact that many of these sites are haunted i mean they're able to handle it i don't see why historic sites in the united states couldn't
3: well you're kind of entering into new territory for a lot of these these associations and societies cuz they don't have any experience in my own with this.
5: hometown is for example they got very upset after we did an investigation on an historic site in my hometown and the historic society put the kibosh on it no more investigations
3: See, now we've had a number of people, since we presented our findings to the Wareham Historical Society and to the town as a whole, we've had a number of people that wanted to kind of get involved and and get down there. And we're actually trying to work things out with the Historical Society to set up procedures and protocols for that to happen. Because you can't just open your doors up to paranormal groups because, let's face it, there's some out there that aren't really reputable and, and that might you know steal something while they're in there.
4: No, absolutely, you're right, and that's that's again part of the problem. Uh The gesture was not that I wanted to talk. Oh, is that, that you I'm were saying, going to steal things? I'm not things very reputable, okay. and <laughs> yeah. You right. better, better not be tied down.
3: You, usually we use this to to, oh, to, to talk, and then we use this when we're talking about ourselves. Oh, very good. Okay.
4: So. I'm still learning this whole radio thing. They can't see us, right? It's just the well, words. Well, they can if they want to come down oh, and stand right. outside. Yeah, there's, a mirror, there's a window here. Good. Maybe okay. A giant
3: window. But, uh, and, and Andrew, when when you were there, you had actually brought along some of your video equipment, and you captured an interesting video and all yeah,
5: that. Yeah, uh, very strange. Yeah. Um, Matt and I were upstairs just walking through the rooms. And one thing that I'll say about the Fearing Tavern that that struck me very strange is downstairs it felt like a normal historic site. Mm -hmm. Upstairs, I had the feeling that someone was following me around upstairs. It had a very strange vibe. And Matt and I walked into a room that had uh, displays of antique uh, dolls and and, uh, uh, cribs and so on and so forth. And just as Matt said, if I had a camera, I would set it up in this room. I was already unfolding my tripod (laughs) to do so. Uh, That camera ran for a little over three and a half hours, and not one dust door blew by the the camera. Uh, However, one hour into recording, a very odd anomaly, a flickering ball of light left a wall and fluttered across the room, disappeared for a brief moment, reappeared, and then went into an antique doll on the shelf. And I found that very, very strange. It wasn't dust, and it was not a bug.
3: And, and that video is on your YouTube yeah,
5: yes. no, as, it, as well as ours? Yes, it's also on my uh, my website as well.
3: Okay, and you want to give out the website? For people?
5: Uh, yeah, greenvillepr.tk. And, uh,
3: and now if you go to Spooky South Coast on uh, YouTube, you'll be able to find it there as well. And... For those who you know who aren't familiar, and we'll give you a basic floor plan, Jeff, because you've never been there. Basically, in the downstairs area, they have the old tavern, and and it's kind of like the dining room area of the house, and that was where town business was conducted years and years ago. And then the rest of the house just looks like a colonial home with bedrooms, with a a kitchen area. You know, there's a couple like living room areas, and uh, in the upstairs, as Carl mentioned before, there is a hidden passageway where they think they hid a British soldier. Uh, during the Revolutionary War And then also there's also rumors that it might have been used As an underground railroad stop as well
4: Right, right, sounds and like it, a great place
3: A huge attic, which you know isn't part a of the tour huge. But was just crazy to get the chance to be up there And see not only some of the history they had up there But to actually get a chance to investigate up there And we captured some stuff We'll talk about with Mike Markowitz a little bit later on uh, Carl, I know uh, you actually captured an interesting photograph uh, Before we even made it through the front door of the building
2: Right. We, I tried to take a photograph right before we entered, and, and uh, uh, upon checking it out on uh, on on the uh, computer, I uh, noticed that it was uh, awfully uh, dark and scrambled, and it had uh, uh, anomalous lights and a couple of colored uh, lights that weren't even present at the time. I guess it was like a blue one and a white one. Um, and I know that I looked at it, and I saw what I thought was uh, uh, an arm, Um, And I know that when you looked at it, Tim, you looked at it and you thought that you saw a face and it kind of looked like it might have been somebody of African-American descent. Mm -hmm. Pretty clear. Um, And I just, you know, I haven't been able really to explain that. All the other, the camera was on the same setting. Um, I used the uh, camera throughout the night and I I captured a a bunch of uh, photographs, but nothing anomalous uh, other than that one.
3: But it's still, it was very intriguing, and people that we've shown it to have also, without me even suggesting it, have been able to make out that face right away. So, Absolutely. I mean, maybe there is something to that. But uh, while we were there, and we were trying to not only prove that you know, there might be paranormal activity there, but we're also trying to prove the existence of a hidden tunnel, uh, supposedly, because this is right across the street from the from the nail factory, which is right on the river, which leads out into the harbor. And we were trying to uh, prove the, the, the long-standing rumor that there was a tunnel that went from the building out into the water, and uh, we actually sent uh, we, well, Bob went out, and um, who went with Bob? Gary, oh, Gary went with Bob. And, and they actually went out there and they tried to get into the tunnel as far as they could, but on the other side, we were messing around in the basement trying to find where we thought it might be. And:
4: uh, well, when, did, when did the place cease to be a tavern?
3: Oh, uh, I'm not exactly sure. If Grace was here, she could tell us. Yeah, Grace, but, where uh, are
4: you? I don't Call in something.
3: <laughs> she, uh, I, I don't exactly remember when, but I know that I actually have a chance to speak to the, the last family that lived in the house when it was still a private home in the 1940s. So it had been for many generations. It had been a private home. Oh, okay. Uh, it, it was, and that's what it was originally too. It Was a private home for the for the Fearing family. Um, but they also just had the tavern attached to the house, and they would allow, you know, the town business to be conducted there. But the rest of the house was a private home, complete with like the little. Um The little passageways behind the behind the uh, fireplaces,
4: right, all that cool stuff. Because a lot of times, you know, places that are taverns uh, often have these tunnels out to rivers, things like that, for all kinds of stuff, deliveries. Then, of course, during Prohibition, other, you know, that's why I asked. I mean, in the 1930s, was it still a tavern? I guess is the question.
3: I I think by that point, it was a private home. Okay, and uh, the last family moved out. I think it was 1948. Was the last time somebody lived there. And then they sold it to another family who, when they bought it, they gave it to the town. The town okay. turned it into a museum. Um, but, you know, we tried to find that tunnel. And, and Mike, we'll have an EVP that we'll play a little bit later on with Mike Markowitz that we got down there. But let's just say we did think that we might have found where it might be. Uh, we're still waiting for the town to give us permission to, you know, drill a hole into their, the floor of their historic <laughs> tavern. But, uh,. <laughs> If it's there, that's where it would be. They by that? I mean, really? Did, like? I mean, we promised to fill it in when we were
0: done. Yeah, right, right.
3: It could be an important find if it turns out to be right.
4: Don't you have a portable x-ray or anything? I mean, I keep well. one in my car.
0: We could always call Geraldo. Yeah. That's true, yeah. yeah. And it worked out well for him.
4: So, yeah. we, I, I smell a special coming on. There we go. Uh,
3: so it's just it's a unique location to get the chance to be not only the first paranormal investigators in there to look for something, but to kind of be one of the few outside of the historical society groups that get to be in there after hours. And and to have that kind of a close up look at the history of the town and what's in there. All these original artifacts that are kicking around in there. We found, you know, what would probably be considered by them to be, you know, just junk they threw in the attic. Even that was fascinating. Mm-hmm. A suitcase that traveled around the world and had like a proclamation written on it that it had indeed traveled around the world. Crazy stuff like that.
4: So is this the kind of place where, were all these artifacts there in the house the whole time, or have, have things been brought, brought in? back in, yeah. Okay, but they were all part of that house, or other things from town? Some
3: of them were, I guess, uh, when the Aikens family lived there, they had moved a lot of the stuff upstairs. In fact, in the tavern, there's the actual bar that they used, and that was removed from there for a long time, and it had been sitting up in the attic and was brought down later when it became a museum. So a lot of these things they just kind of found up there and brought back down, and then from other locations they would bring in. So that's... Part of the reason why there might be activity because it might be attached to some of these things that they brought in as well.
4: one of the things that I, I love about some of these historic museums and things like that you, you, all, you often hear the stories about phenomena occurring, and you wonder if there 's almost like a psychometry effect you know where where people are, are picking up on on you know, something from some of these artifacts as opposed to the location. You know, things have been brought in. Does that stir it up? Does that charge it? Or or does that charge the human living witness who comes in and says, oh, man, it's almost like I'm stepping back in time and then you tune in? I don't know.
3: It, it's weird because I think the reason why there's such a lack of reports of paranormal activity in that location is because it's not a place that you would think of as being haunted, that you would think right. of as having paranormal activity because it's not in Salem. You know, it's yeah. not it, it's not Lizzie Borden's house. There was never a murder there that we know of. You know, it, it, Yet. it just. Yes. Yes. <laughs> It has this, you know, just this long history of just essentially being standing, and that's what it's famous for, for being around for 300 years. So people aren't going in there with that feeling, and they're not, you know, creating stories about it. They're not creating legends about it, and when when there's no legend, there tends to be a lot less reports. Right. And so I think that, you know, maybe now it's starting to get a little bit of recognition as being a possible paranormal location. People might come out of the woodwork and say, yes, I had an experience, And, and maybe you out there did. Maybe you want to give us a call. 508-996-0500, 508-291-0500. 508-996-0500, 508-291-0500.
4: Or call Tim Cell. It's five zero eight. <laughs> well, no, they kidding. can email <laughs>
3: Spooky Crew at spookysouthcoast dot com, and if you do that, we can receive your emails right here in the Spooky Studio. Uh, but also, Andrew, when we were out, you know, playing around trying to find the tunnel over by the uh, Nail Factory, you were actually in there it was just yourself, Matt Moniz, and Carolyn, and you captured a pretty interesting EVP. Yes,
5: yes. Um I was uh, hanging around upstairs by myself, and again, I, I can't stress this enough. It was of all the places I've investigated, I've never felt like I had unseen company. And I was standing upstairs, um, above um, on the landing uh, by the staircase, in between two of the bedrooms. And everyone had left the tavern except for Matt and, and she downstairs. And Matt came upstairs looking for me to make sure I hadn't fallen into a secret room or something. And uh, he came upstairs, and I said, "I'm just sitting here." soaking up the vibe and he said well everybody's pretty much left and i said i think i'm going to try and do some evp work so matt said good idea i'll go downstairs so i started up my recorder and i was taking photographs and i was tagging any little sound i I could hear and as soon as matt got downstairs he was being uh, aggressively recruited to join the historic society and i uh tagged this on my. Yes. And I was, I was uh, tagging this on my recorder that you can clearly hear Matt and the lady downstairs speaking. And you hear me take a, a photograph and you hear uh, her speaking and you hear Matt speaking. And then right when she and Matt are speaking together at the same time, somewhere between me and them downstairs, you clearly hear someone shush them. It's absolutely unescapable. Someone, it goes shh. And as we'll talk about later, there were other voices that seemed to want us to be quiet.
3: And I apologize; I forgot to bring that with us, so we'll add that in, in post. So, well, why don't we take a listen to that right now? <laughs> That's what we do here, because yeah. you know, we the more we play for the podcast, right? The uh, you know the, the live radio. Sorry just keeps to us, all you live listeners. Yeah, just, <laughs> <laughs> that just keeps us honest. But again, they, Call can, in, they right can go to there. my
5: website; I have that there as well.
3: Okay, there you go. Uh, and now there was also a, a brief period where. We had a number of people in the house. I mean, it probably wasn't the ideal situation for, for a serious investigation because we had a lot of different people that we wanted to bring in with a lot of different uh, specialization. But there was one point where there was a number of people there, um, but we were all kind of downstairs in that li- in the kitchen area. And I started hearing women talking on the upstairs. And to the- I was telling people to shut up. I was like, shh, shh, can't you hear that? And, and everybody could hear it. I mean, it was clearly there. And now this... Tavern, it's located, you know, a stone's throw from a high, from a, you know, a major, it's from Route 28. So it's near a major road. So you can hear cars going by and everything, but there was no real, there's nobody outside because we kept checking. The police actually came by a couple of times to, to see what we were doing. So we know there was nothing really crazy going on outside. Uh, but we would hear these women speaking, and, and almost like they were getting into one of those, you know how like sometimes when ladies are talking back and forth, and they'll raise their voice at each other, and then one'll get excited, and the other one, you know, had like that type of tone. To it. You said it, not me.
4: <laughs> that was Matt Moniz. <laughs> <laughs> but
3: yeah, I mean, it definitely had its, you know, its feel to it, and it, it's something that when uh, I'd been there maybe a, a few days prior with with Matt Costa, that we didn't really get any kind of feel. Matt, what about you? Did you kind of get any kind of feeling from it?
0: Ah, uh, that time that we went,
4: oh, or, or in general, um, not too much. Although I left early, because that's how I roll. Yeah, but <laughs> but, <laughs> right on, brother. Uh, <laughs> um, I don't know. In general, it's just kind of a cool place to go. Historically,
3: I mean, you're uh-huh. the more skeptical member of the group. So, uh, when you're in there, what the stuff that was happening? What, what did it show to you?
4: I feels I feel closer to you. Sharing <laughs> a microphone. <laughs> I just want to. I forgot my breath. <laughs> <laughs> Those two practically just that's made
2: right. out. <laughs> um, <laughs> I threw them off. He's like, I have a to to
4: question, but that's all right The question was: uh, yes. You're skeptical, and did you feel anything? I didn't. I, I see here. You know, what did you think? I mean, it was a dark, uh, old house that was creaky, and that's about it. That Right, right. With a bunch of dudes running around.
5: (laughs) No, we're we're, we're talking about, you know, does the place have a reputation? And and I was going to butt in a a couple of minutes ago. Uh, When I heard the story from Ashley about seeing the woman in the rocking chair, and after the tour was over and they brought it to the attention of the tour guide, she told me the tour guide's response was, I believe you. And I also heard, and and I'm not trying to kid or tease the Wareham Police Department, but I heard while I was there from a town official that the Wareham police do not like to go into the building at night if there's any kind of, you know, uh, uh, questionable situations going on in there. Not that they wouldn't do their duty, but uh, supposedly members of the police department feel that the place has a reputation. That's what I was told.
3: Right as you said that, two members of Fairhaven's finest drove right by.
5: <laughs> and also the other thing, Tim, I just want to get clear. Uh, you were telling me toward the end of the night, uh, didn't you say that the uh, the diner supposedly has a... An unknown entity that starts to enter the diner in back of the Fearing Tavern and disappears? The the diner
3: being situated right behind what would have been the backyard of the tavern years ago. The entire, you know, all the way to South Plymouth was the Fearing Land, and it's been slowly bought up over the years. Uh, But there is a diner situated right behind uh, the tavern, which was actually the Aikens family put a diner there first back in the 40s but uh this this is kind of like right between the tavern and a cemetery across the street and there has been known to be you know shadows and 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 figures passing through coming in the back door of the diner and kind of passing away through the front you know kind of dissipating when it reaches the front so for years we wondered if maybe that's kind of in the way between the tavern and the and the uh Cemetery and that that's what these spirits are doing. But now we think, you know, it's knowing that how far back that land went. It's just this is on their land and they're just walking through their land and just so happens there's a diner right in the middle of it.
5: Yeah. So my point is from what I understood that night from several people is that the property has had a reputation, not like you said, it doesn't show up on any websites. Yeah. And and it didn't, but we
3: weren't associating that with the tavern per se, right?
5: As much as we were with possibly just the diner.
3: Because of uh, being in the back door and there's a number of deliveries that come in right, and out the back door. Right. We thought it was kind of just either, you know, your mind being so used to that coming through and that's what you're, you're kind of visualizing in your mind, or if it's just residual energy from all these constant door opening and closings.
0: Well, you're talking about where the barn would have been. It's where they would have had the staples for the, um, mm. for the horses and stuff like that. That would make sense for, you know, a residual people heading from the you know, the tavern, into the stables to grab their horses, to go wherever. But getting back to the history of the place being haunted, now as a kid at about 11, 12 years old, I I knew a couple of people that were tour guides in the place, and they had reports as well as personal sightings in the place. And this is going back 20-plus years ago. Well, see, yeah. we're
3: not that old, so we didn't hear that much. Uh, but, <laughs> just but everybody
0: that has worked there, uh, from what I recall, and uh, unfortunately Carolyn isn't here to verify this, but everybody that's been there or associated with the place has had some kind of encounter.
2: There's, uh, I, I learned from my mother-in-law that uh, there was a, a gentleman that used to be actually a night watchman um, at the nail company across the street. And if you uh, if you know the area, if you know the Fearing Tavern Museum, you know that street. Uh, all the buildings on that street are are of that age. They go way back. They mm-hmm. they go back to at least the 1700s. Uh, and I guess at one point the uh, the night watchman had uh, explained to them that there was uh, a ghost on the property of the Tremont Nail, and it's it's just across the street. There's this massive. Nail Factory, and and that is where we thought that the tunnel either came from or went to, mm-hmm. um, and it's just a it's a one it's like a two lane street, and uh, if you go. Um, to the nail factory and we don't suggest that, that people go there but but, but if, well, you you were, if you were to a look i mean it's to, is, sure, is it closed? I mean sure. it's closed down building there?
5: Uh, it is but it's it only is. been
3: closed for less than less than about 10 years That's it, right. it hasn't been that long at all they actually moved operations a few years ago to mansfield but you know a few years ago it was still up and running now it's owned by the town so you yes. can go and check it there's like a boat launch there so you can go and there take a look around path. but don't enter the
2: building no. because it's it's sealed up i right. had the opportunity to go in actually um, on september 25th uh, to go into the nail factory building it was open um, and uh, take a look around in there uh, Gary and myself and then later in the day uh, where the water the, I guess the only way I can explain it is, is a water tunnel um, that is on the side of the building that when the water the tide is high you can't get anywhere near mm-hmm. it but when it drops down you can actually go in uh, later in the day, Gary and Bob took a look uh, into that tunnel, uh, and it actually goes almost completely across. And apparently, to the left, there was uh, a, one time an opening that's now closed up. Um, but again, there's, there's, you know, talking about uh, the, the tour guides and going back and talking to people with the reputation. Um, you know, there's, there's somebody that was a night watchman. You know, I mean, it's for what it's worth. It's, it's third hand to me. Um, but also being close with the town, uh, you know, with what Andy said earlier about the police department and whatnot, you know, there's, there's always talk about the ghost. Mm-hmm. Uh, where that stems from, I don't know. Could it be just, gee, it's a creepy old house, the ghost? I don't know. But, you know, it's there.
3: And, and also, you know, we've talked uh, before about the the nail factory has one of these old company stores attached to it, a a a gift shop type place. Uh, where they sell different arts and crafts and, and, you know, whatever, various pleasantries. And they actually have been reported to have a ghost on that property as well. They won't let us in to investigate, of course, because they have hundreds and thousands of dollars of of just – Highly breakable stuff all over the place, and they know that we'll be bulls in that china shop. But, you know, they've also had reports there. So maybe there's something that's just across that whole property, across that region. Maybe it's charged up for whatever reason because it's so close to water. Running water over with the falls by the the nail factory. The geological factors are all there.
4: Any relation to the King Philip War? I mean, is that – I mean, did that take place in that vicinity? I mean, I mean it,
3: it happened all over the place, uh, whether or not oh, there yeah. was actually a battle. There was a battle there in the War of 1812 Okay. Uh, because the British actually came and landed in Wareham and set the town on fire. Uh, there's actually a little development down near the harbor a few miles away called British Landing solely because that's where the British came and kind of took it to us for a little while. They said, we'll show you guys.
4: <laughs> yeah.
3: You know, and now, they, now all they do is send us their crappy brick homes.
5: Well, Andy Jackson took care of him down in Louisiana. So. <laughs>
3: Absolutely. So uh, why don't we take a break. When we come back, we'll talk with Mike Markowitz about some of the EVPs that we captured there, the techniques he used, and we'll play them for you as well. And, and folks, you definitely want to hear these because we want to get your thoughts and opinions. If you'd like to give us a call, 508-996-0500, 508-291-0500. You can also email us, SpookyCrew, at SpookySouthCoast.com. We'll be right back with more here on the Fearing Tavern edition of Spooky South Coast.
2: Beaming from the studios of AM 1420 WBSN into the night and
5: beyond. Here's more of Spooky South Coast. Welcome back
3: to Spooky South Coast. Tim Weisberg here, along with the Silent Assassin Matt Costa, science advisor Matt Moniz, guest host Jeff Belanger. Hey, we'll come up with something better than guest host. You know, something that just more, Jeff more accurately showcases. Ah, not right. sorry. Okay, well, Jeff, Jeff's here.
6: Why do you always throw up the jazz hands when you say that? <laughs> <laughs>
3: Thanks! that
4: <laughs> add,
6: add, add some
4: pizzazz.
3: We also have Carl Wood and Andrew Lake here in the studio with us as well. And joining us now is Mike Markowitz, who we call the EVP man, because he just, everywhere he goes, EVPs follow.
4: Maybe we should start with, how do, first, how do you spell EVP, and then what is it? EVP. <laughs> okay, thank you.
3: And, and we'll let Mike explain
0: what it is.
6: I have no idea.
3: <laughs> all right well Good what, is, show. What, is,
0: Good night. what does it stand for? thanks for joining us.
6: <laughs> they're just voices that show up um on recording media any kind of recording media that you have no explanation how they got there they just show up um me i'm fortunate enough to either be followed or things just happen when i record i guess i'm lucky that way
3: see i don't think it's luck i think it's your approach which is a little bit different than how other investigators might go out uh with equipment i mean Jeff, you've seen it—people going around with tape recorders, sure. and you know they'll ask, this is this is this 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 "House?" Out. Yeah, just like that, <laughs> <laughs> right? It, and so, uh, you know, they'll, they'll just go out and they'll kind of be looking for direct answers. Mike's approach is a little bit
6: different—a um, little bit. Um, I try to get the best equipment that I can afford to do the recording, so they come through nice and clear, and then spread that out all over the house, um, typically in the hot spots. Um, but I always believe everything is haunted, no matter where you go. People are following you around. Um, It's just a matter of having the ability to pick up some of the finer detail. But um, I I can't explain why, like, for instance, the Faring Tavern got so many um, unbelievable clips in there. Usually you get one out of a a recording session, but um, there's a whole bunch that happened at the Faring Tavern, which is kind of unusual.
4: Which is exactly what I said earlier when you said how many. I said a bunch.
6: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You
3: predicted it exactly. A bunch.
6: A bunch. bunch, I mean, um, I think there were over 50 and um, the louder ones, obviously, the ones we'll play tonight. Um, but the finer detail ones—you kind of like have to put headphones on and listen carefully. You can pick mm-hmm. it out. That kind of stuff is everywhere. But the uh, the good ones here were just absolutely surprising.
3: All right. Well, Matt, if you're ready, why don't we play the first one, and then we'll let everybody hear it, and then we'll kind of explain—you know—how it came about.
7: Do you live in
4: this house?
6: Okay, you can hear that voice on the end. Um,
4: well, f- to clarify, in the beginning, is that your voice? No,
6: that's, that's, Tim's. Oh, that's oh, Tim's. You'll hear okay. me more often than not. Okay. I'm kind of a loud mouth. <laughs> right. But, you know, he clearly asks, you know, do you live in the house? And then someone comes in and says, Z-Attic, like as Z-E, you know, Z-Attic. Right. Matt,
3: you want to play that one more time?
6: Do you live in this house? Yeah, yeah, man. Isn't that something? Yeah, isn't that something? I, I did give it a little bit of boost in volume, only because the original recording—it's—you can hear it just like that. It just has very low in volume, so I just boosted it up by like ten decibels.
0: Can I point out that the British "quote unquote" soldier may have been a Hessian? Ah,
3: and it's very plausible too that there were a lot of German immigrants uh, in the area at that time too. So, I mean, to to hear something that has a, a German accent to it. and you know, German intonation doesn't surprise me.
4: Schultz, <laughs> <Sorry>. Hogan, <laughs> Hogan. All
3: right, now, uh, and, and it's important to note too. Like a, a lot of these, these weren't recorded for the most part with the handheld tape recorders. These were using your, you know, your your condenser microphones, just like we're using here, that were spread throughout the house.
6: Um, you know that when you use the software that comes with a decent recorder, the transfer on a USB cable, uh, it comes out sounding so much better. And I I tell everybody if you have a handheld recorder. And it came with the software. Use it with the USB to transfer it from your recorder into your laptop because the sound quality and the frequency response of the thing just goes, it goes way up. and It just sounds that much better.
4: Mike, so you go strictly digital or do you also do All analog? All digital.
6: No, okay. I don't touch analog. It, it you can clean it up, but only so much. Okay. You know what I mean? It's like garbage in, garbage out You know, kind of a thing. Uh, if you start off nice and clean, then the end result is just going to be clean. Okay. You
3: know? All right, Matt, do you have another one ready for us?
6: Do you know not hollow? It's probably not too thick,
1: but it does sound hollow, yeah. Floor? That's it? That does. So on third floor. I
0: think
1: that's wood. <laughs>
7: let me see, I'm gonna grab the this
6: is the one that's going to mm-hmm. cause a lot of uh, controversy. Get over it. Mm-hmm. it does. It sounds this, solid.
2: Matt,
3: somebody. Th- this is now. This is when we were down in the basement. Uh, not to jump the gun on you, Mike, here, but this is when I was talking about earlier in the show when we were down looking for that tunnel, and we with a, what were we using, like a broom handle. Yeah. We're stomping this concrete floor. It's poured concrete over half. You know, the whole basement is dirt floor. Half of it has poured concrete. So we're pounding the floor with this with this uh, broom handle, and we find a hollow spot. And so, once we find the hollow spot, everybody 's kicking the sand and the dirt off of it with their foot, so that sound that you 're hearing is actually us shuffling our feet right. across that sand. but whether it be the kinetic energy kind of giving it some sort of power because there was no real electricity in this house. no we had whatever devices we had and and that was hopefully enough energy for it to to draw in. Uh, but you know this was our kinetic energy of of us moving our feet, so maybe that 's what it was using and and when you heard that and you played that back for us, I was pretty freaked out by it. But what is it that you, that you heard there?
6: Um, I heard, um, hey, Ashford, I killed Grandpa Ash. I just knew the exact time that you know, the person sweeping the floor with, with the foot is, ex- is exactly where that sentence is located. So it's kind of like they knew when the, the foot was going to start mm-hmm. and stop. And then when it stopped... Sentence ended, and then the person, you know, one little sweep, and then a couple more sweeps, and that's the second portion of it. And in that second portion, it says um, something like, "You know, I just knew." Um, I just knew. Uh, you, you can know. consider it a gift. i uh, consider it a gift. Yeah. Well, con, consider it a a gift.
3: So can we, we can we play that again, Matt?
6: I, I kept the whole file like that because I wanted people to hear the beginning sound of the room. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, when that foot comes in, it just changes. The whole dynamic of it just changes. You know, that's not hollow. It's probably not too
0: thick, but it does sound
1: hollow. Yeah. It's a it? That does. That's on the so floor. <laughs> I think
0: that's wood. Cement. Cement. Cement? Yeah. Has over. It. Mm-hmm. Some people have a hard
6: time hearing
4: that. Actually, some some people like we when we <laughs> some played of those it, people are here.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, when we played it for for the town, I mean, a number of people they didn't hear anything there. But you know, you can. It, it sounds like a, a very not pleasant sounding voice right. coming out of that.
4: Well, one one theory with EVP is that uh, the whole white noise idea, where you you give you know some people use white noise, they'll they'll introduce running water, or running fan. A television tuned into a station that's not there, the idea giving giving whatever intelligence behind this uh th- that's behind this something to work with something to make order out of that chaos uh something that Tom and Lisa Butler call a uh, stochastic stochastic resonance I believe is their their term but uh so so there is there is one theory that you you threw white noise into the environment that someone could work with. I actually heard large fries, big Mac, and a Coke. <laughs> <laughs> but that's me. I don't have a tuned ear. Which for this was also kind of
3: in stuff. your contract, writer. For right. Whatever. Yes. But I, I mean, I don't know. To me, that if if that is what it is, and and that's you know that changes the way things can be done on in investigation, where you know just the emotion of the investigation can be enough energy to to cause some sort of phenomenon.
0: Yeah, but you're only looking at just one of those EVPs. The rest of the stuff that he has, not that that one isn't that bad, but the, some of the others are very class A, especially the little girl. That one, And there were definitely no little kids with us that night. Not at
5: well,
3: all. I want to talk about jumping the gun. <laughs> that's coming up. Well, go ahead, Matt. Play the next one.
7: and no. Oh, okay,
3: one. I'll ask Jeff, what did that sound like to you? Aside from the talking, you know, you hear a noise. You want to play it one more time, Matt. Just, just listen to the. I'm listening. Yeah,
4: maybe like furniture moving, something like that.
6: It, it's I hear, yeah, I hear a uh, a door slamming shut, like an iron door, like
0: a cell door,
6: like a cell door, nah, or maybe. an iron gate, and then it, you hear actually hear it latch. And then right after it, you hear a man's voice say, Christ did penance.
4: Whoa. <laughs> one of the things that's tough, I think, and, and, and it's good that I'm here, actually, because I wasn't there. Mm-hmm. So, like, in the last one, if if people were listening at home, you know, you guys know, you remember sweeping your foot on the yep. concrete. And you right. remember what you were doing when these were recorded. Um, so it's, it's probably good that I'm here because, yeah, you know, it, I wasn't there when it was recorded. and Yeah, no, I I didn't hear that, and I'm listening close. I mean, it di- I did hear the door, what sounded like something moving. Could have been a door slam, absolutely. but So that didn't happen when you were recording.
3: No, and interestingly enough... There
0: was no metal gates or anything like that to make that noise in the house. Correct.
3: Okay. All wooden doors. Uh, and then I talk, when I said I talked to the family that lived there before, at least in his memory, there was never any kind of iron door or anything that would make that type of a sound beyond, you know, just... You can tell kind of the sound of wood and the sound of metal closing. Sure. The fact that nothing was even closing at that time, everybody was pretty much right around where we were where we were recording, and nobody reacts to that sound. Uh, And then, if you can hear a a little bit at the end, we'll we'll play it again one more time, Matt, if you can, and and you can hear that gentleman at the end, or what we think is a gentleman.
1: Right at the very end there.
3: Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> should we run it one more time? Or no, move we should on? move on. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, and the great thing about podcasting is people can listen to these and they can break them apart down. Let us know if you hear something we're not hearing or if you disagree with what we're hearing. You can just email us Spooky Crew at SpookySouthCoast.com. We'll get it out to Mike as well. All right, Matt. Why don't we go on to the next one?
1: translate that. Right.
0: It's
3: now, this isn't what you were kind of talking about. We were all there. We know what was going on. There's yeah. a conversation going on, but another voice sneaks yeah, in. Yeah, there's
4: a deep voice there in the back. Right. It's saying something. I, I, I mean, sorry, I think I heard the word surfboard or something. but <laughs> No, but, I mean, clearly that, that sounded like words to me. I couldn't make them out, but it sounded like a, a deep voice person.
3: We'll run it one more time and, and listen particularly for, for an accent. Uh, which of course, you know, pretty much everybody that was there is here. We heard kind of a southern accent to what was being said, and, and no, nobody there had a southern accent. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I did hear the surfboard part of the Yeah, but <laughs> I that was much. Moniz. Alright. <laughs> <coughs> that was Moniz, but Mike, what was it that you kind of thought that that voice was saying?
6: Um, I heard, we got them mouse holes in here with a, with a type of an accent. Kind of like an old west kind of sounding thing. You know, we got them mouse holes in here. Like a little right. bit of a
3: twang to yeah, it. Like,
6: yeah. But real you know, monotone kind of voice. Y-
4: which y- you know, it's funny because to me it sounded kind of similar to that very first voice that's asiatic. Like the same intonations and stuff like that. I couldn't make out a word. It, but but it sounded like the same like tone tonality to the voice and things like that. Try it one more time.
3: I- ironically, though, we did, we did. There was a mouse hole. <laughs> that we were pointing out, and I don't remember if that was before or after that this was recorded, but there was a mouse hole, because we were talking about being able to run wires and stuff, and, you know, we saw the little hole there. Well, you wanna run that one more time?
1: <laughs>
3: Onis, what are you talking about with a surfboard?
4: <laughs> I'm
3: just, I'm just messing with you. Alright Matt, why don't we run on to the next one here? We're almost to the news, so
0: shut
4: up. Did you just
1: tell
2: us to shut up? Can you say it again?
4: Someone brought the Shack Hack with them on that was the Shack Hack. Yes, yes. all right.
3: That was we were using the Shack Hack in the actual tavern part. And And the
4: Shack Hack, for those who don't know, is the it is the
3: (laughs) bargain basement version of the Frank's Box.
4: Twenty four ninety nine.
3: Yes, it's the uh, the little device that you can make yourself or Matt Costa can make for you. Uh, It's a little AM/FM radio with the digital sweep and you just clip the little mute pin so it doesn't stop on any stations. And the theory behind it is that the spirit can take those words that are being you know, thrown out there in
6: all the radio order waves and put chaos. them together into sentences. Sure. Right,
4: order out of chaos, just like the, the idea of white noise, you're giving them something to work with. So, right.
6: But because it sweeps on multiple, you know, just constant frequency changes, right. if there's a sentence that comes over that, it's impossible uh, for right. FM frequencies to do that in succession with all the radio broadcasts that are out there. So then it's unexplainable at that right. point. How, you,
4: could you, how could you spend half a second on each frequency and pick up a whole sentence? That exactly. Which,
6: you know, it's kind of neat. Like maybe tonight
4: someone's out there with a shack hack and we're we're a part of it. <laughs> and uh, So let them. me just throw this out there. <gasps> Pizza, bananas. <laughs> 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 just, you know, who knows the, what that will come up
3: with. You can actually hear each little f- 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 f-
5: right. a frequency, change. frequency change. Uh, <clears throat> if you remember we were up in the attic using it, and uh I had asked if we were dealing with a red man or a white man and within seconds we got back black woman
3: yeah <laughs> well that's
4: i don't believe red man is uh politically, very
3: politically, politically correct. correct says the man with a bowl of cocaine but <laughs> <laughs> the but the thing that was about that though andy that was like the the probably the uh the most easygoing phrase that they said to you uh, while we were running that. We'll talk about yeah. that more coming up because we're up against the news. We'll play a few more clips of EVPs that we captured at the Fearing Tavern. We'll talk more about our investigation as well. We're not going to do the Week in Weird this week because we're, we've got a short show, but we are going to debut a new segment, The Haunted Headlines with Christopher Balzano. We'll play that coming up in the next half hour, as well as the debut on Spooky South Coast of Jeff Belanger's Christmas Carol.
4: Yeah, it's it's uh, it's going to be bigger than White Christmas, or at least longer than and White Christmas. My Christmas tree is haunted? My Christmas tree is haunted. It's blues in the key of awesome. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, you'll get to hear that in just a few minutes when we come back with more about the Fearing Tavern and about uh, just the investigation of uh, historical locations as well. We'll also take your calls, 508-996-0500, 508-291-0500. Email us. Spooky Crew at SpookySouthCoast.com and of course that's the website where you can find everything related to the program SpookySouthCoast.com We'll be right back with more After the News right here on Spooky South
1: Coast.
5: I know who you are. Spooky South Coast.
1: That's a good show, man. You know what? I got a theory about your show. You guys got no idea what's going on. Well, excuse me for having enormous
5: flaws that I don't Spooky South Coast is back. The key to the whole thing is to think as a child. And for me, that comes very easy. I can smell
6: your I'm not afraid. You will.
1: the supernatural is
3: something that isn't supposed to happen. It Welcome back to Spooky Self. So normally we call this hour number two but instead we're going to call it half hour number three because uh, we are Only on until 7.30, and then we have to get into some NFL football. Uh, Tonight is the Baltimore Ravens and the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, folks, you want to hope for the Ravens to lose because that makes things a little bit easier for the Patriots. And, uh, Jeff, we could do a whole other show on the Patriots. We totally could chances. do another show. And maybe but, we but should we, someday. But.
4: Yeah, there'd be a lot of bleeps and stuff. Whenever <laughs> we talk about the Patriots, we tend to, well, I tend to swear.
3: That's why I only write about them now. Right. I don't talk about them anymore because it makes me angry. But Does it take know. a lot
4: of time to go back and delete the swears? Or do uh, yeah, I make or do the that? editors do it. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I, just,
3: I just send it as is, hoping yeah. one will sneak in. Well, yeah, are, we are talking about our investigation of the Fearing Tavern in Wareham, Mass., and we're gonna start soon, real soon, opening that up to the public. Not in the wintertime, because uh, apparently there's no heat in there. But, uh, you know, when the weather gets warmer, we're gonna start putting on paranormal tours and events there, letting groups come in. And, we've been against this in the past, Matt Moniz, when we've heard of all the groups doing it. Just the concept of it. The idea of paranormal groups kind of having a, a control over a location. But, it, it's kind of, when you look at it, it's kind of the way to go, because, the, the the town
0: the historical society they don't know who's a reputable group who isn't I wouldn't call it you know what we were planning a a, a form of control I think it's more of um for scheduling
3: well not only that but you you kind of got to pass I'll the wrestle mustard.
2: you for it yeah well
3: well, we'll wrestle afterwards no <laughs> no problem with that but it, it, it's kind of you got to kind of pass the muster a little bit too though you, I mean we don't want to start opening up a place with with, uh, you know, hundreds and thousands of dollars worth of uh, antiques in it to to people that don't have a a good reputation in the paranormal community.
0: Uh, Yeah, I mean, there was an article in the uh, Boston Herald uh, today uh, about a paranormal group that wanted to investigate a place in Salem. But unfortunately, they had a mixed review in their uh, references, and uh, they got told no. I mean we 're in a sense going to be doing something similar. I mean, you have to have at least some good standing to want to, you know to be able to get in this place, and we 're not going to try and refuse anybody but I no, mean, but we want to make sure that're we, we want to make sure that
3: we 're not putting the paranormal field into a situation where the field 's reputation could be hurt by somebody that might go into this location, and we don 't want the location to be hurt by a, a group that might not be reputable
0: well yeah, I definitely don 't want the place disturbed physically because. You're right. That The building is filled with antiques, actual period-correct antiques. These things are not cheap, and they're extremely rare. And we don't want people, you know, just stumbling about in the dark you know, falling over things, because there is no electricity in the place.
3: Says the guy who almost knocked <laughs> over it.
0: <laughs> it was a rolling <laughs> pin. Yeah, it was a rolling pin, and it rolled, all right. It rolled. It was way oh. out of stone, so it didn't get hurt.
3: But before we uh, before we move on, though, we do have one more EVP from that night that we want to play for you. And there is a whole bunch more, and at some point, Mike, we'll get them all loaded up onto the website. Uh, but this one is the one that will really creep people out, uh, because it is pretty clear. And uh, why don't you kind of set up a little bit of what was going on.
6: Uh, this was recorded uh, with my handheld recorder as I was going downstairs to the basement. And when you go into the basement from, uh, from upstairs, you have to kind of open the door, sneak in, push yourself against the wall, and then shut the door by you, and then go downstairs. Yeah, it's and the like next room closet that happens yeah. to have a staircase in it. Right, it's it. very, very tight. And um, it was just as I was coming downstairs that that was recorded. So I think I was still upstairs on the landing when uh, that voice came in.
3: Alright, Matt, if you want to run it for us. Very, very short, right at the beginning there, you can yep. hear a, a female voice. Matt, I want to make you run it like five times, so just so you know.
6: That's something?
3: Um, Carl, you're having, a, you're having a reaction to that?
2: Well, actually, at, at, at that time, uh, that that was recorded shortly before that was when we had heard the conversation, what we thought was between women, Mm -hmm. and Matt and I had gone up to the second floor into the uh, area that it was coming from just to kind of be there and and see what we could sense and and or record. Um, Actually, uh, Ashley, who was there, uh, my stepdaughter that was at that time, uh, when I told her about the EVP, she said, I was trying to tell you that I heard a little girl. Mm -hmm. And that was downstairs uh, going out of the tavern area into the front room.
3: Want to play one more time, Matt and and Mike? What is it that you that's being heard here?
2: I
6: I hear um, the little girl saying, "Want to play dress up?" And she has like a, that little sing song quality to her voice. You know, "Want to play dress up?"
4: All right, I'll give you that one. Ding! We have a winner.
3: Yeah. We have a wiener, as we say. All right. Well, yeah, that, I mean, just. For me for me, hearing a kid's voice in an E V P is creepy enough. Right. I mean and, and, and but it's it's definitely innocent and in it's quality. I mean it does not sound like anything malevolent. It's kind of the antithesis of what we heard downstairs.
6: Right. You know, if that is a voice coming through. Exactly. So. It's very bizarre. The thing is it came in so nice and clear. Again, it's low in volume, but um, it, it's there. You can't deny there's not a little girl's voice saying something there, that which is, you know, pretty awesome.
3: And at the time the only females present were Ashley and uh, Carolyn. So it's not like there was a number of female voices that that could be mistaken for. I mean, even if I you know, had to squeeze in really tight and bang myself on the wall, I wouldn't have been that high (laughs) pitched.
0: Can we play it one more time a little louder? Sure. Would
4: you like to dance?
3: One more time? You want to do one more time?
6: It's almost like a little call me at the end there, too. Um, but, um, that's, you know,
3: and that's, that's just some of what you got. I mean, there was, there were so many different things, especially with the box session that we ran upstairs, the, uh, the shack hack session where, uh, Andrew actually kind of got into it with, with whatever voice was speaking to us. Now it, it's, and we experienced this Jeff, when we used this, uh, on the Boston Strangler, the conversation with the serial killer, where we were getting words come through that might not be stuff that's on radio. We were getting outright F bombs right. in this particular
6: ah, okay. uh,
4: instance. Well. FCC, a lot of dirty right? words,
6: yeah. All kinds of stuff was coming through. Um, definitely, um, there was actually whole sentences that would span four or five seconds, but they were saying like one word at a time, but you could tell it wasn't coming out of the – it wasn't like a radio sound, voice sound. It was different, but it would span, like I said, four or five seconds long. And that little machine, I think it's uh, it scans frequencies uh, two at a time. Mm-hmm. So during that time, I mean, how many – I mean, there's so many frequency changes, but you hear these words. And the amazing thing was the analysis of that data. When you sit and listen to it and you loop it and you say, okay, what's this say? What's this? All of a sudden you start hearing these, these voices just popping out of the thing. Live, it's a little bit more difficult. But when you get to sit with headphones on and you listen to it and you really get to analyze it, uh, some of the voices that were coming out were just were just incredible.
3: Especially uh, your headphones, which are like way better headphones I've ever (laughs) I've ever uh, been able. They're comfortable. (laughs) But it 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 seems like too like this place is kind of waiting to talk to people, waiting to to, to let itself known. I mean, maybe we'll bring groups in there and nothing will ever happen again.
6: Spiritually anxious.
3: Maybe it was just this one time, you know, what made the connection it wanted to make, and and now we have to move on and and go wherever they're going to go. But it just seems like it was very active. It seems like, you know, with 300 years of history, there was stuff there waiting to to be found, and maybe we tapped into it. Maybe it was just that one time. We're going to go back and we're going to find out. Uh, If you're out there and you have a group and you'd like to come in and check it out, Uh, You can contact us, Spooky Crew, at spookysouthcoast.com, and we'll put you on the list so that when we start doing it, uh, we're going to be able to let people in. Now it's it's not going to be like you know one of these big events where you have to go out and shell out a lot of money to be able to come and do it. We just want to charge a couple of hundred bucks over everybody that's there over the course of the night as a donation to the historical society. That'll do it because they don't really they're not generating the tourism. People aren't really interested in the town's history like they used to. And outside of the school field trips, they're not getting people under the doors. And this is a different way for people to come in, learn the history. Adult field trips. I love it. Yeah, exactly what it is. Pack a
4: lunch. We'll bring juice and cookies. Right on. We
3: can do that. And, uh, you know, we'll work out some different things to make it more accessible to people. We're gonna keep pressuring the town to let us into that nail factory across the street, the Tremont Nail Factory. Because I've got an idea where we can start using that as a as a paranormal proving ground. You know, you've got to get in there, and you've got to be able to, to show you can move around in there and conduct an investigation, and then you can move over to the tavern where
4: there's breakable stuff. <laughs>
3: so uh, why don't we take a break? When we come back, we're going to play for you the Haunted Headlines for this week with Chris Balzano. Then we'll kick some more things around before we close it out with... My Christmas tree is haunted.
4: It is indeed.
3: The the brand new smash hit single from Jeff. That's Morgan. right.
4: It's been heard by dozens. A-
3: and the Ghost Village Choir.
4: The Ghost Village Memorial Choir. Memorial good, Choir. Good name for a band.
3: Absolutely. Uh, thanks. It's uh, you guys should get a gig down at. Uh...
4: No, no, we're not going to gig. Okay. <laughs> it's been decided already.
3: <laughs> they're they're like uh, We're know, not that good. They're like they're like uh, Pearl Jam only. Pearl Jam won't make the videos, but they will go on tour. Jeff will be happy to make videos. Absolutely. Just go on tour.
4: Yeah.
3: All right. We'll be right back with more here on Spooky South Coast.
4: The vault is open.
7: You're listening to the Haunted Headlines, your source for the stories making waves in the paranormal news. Sponsored by GhostVillage.com at www.ghostvillage.com/news. Good evening. This is Christopher Balzano, and you're listening to the Haunted Headlines, your best source. For the Blips, making the radar in the paranormal community this week. It's a story of redemption straight out of Dickens. Last weekend, a thief in the town of Kampung Binja, Malaysia, entered a store looking to steal all he could while the family was away on holiday. He instead encountered a ghostly force that kept him in the house for three days without food or water. He was blinded upon entering by a bright light, and according to police claims, quote, Each time I wanted to flee, I felt a supernatural figure shoving me to the ground. Perhaps still in the holiday spirit, the business owners did not have the man arrested upon finding him. Instead, they called an ambulance to care for the man who had not eaten or had any water for three days. Police were brought in later where the man finally told his story. His charge has yet to be released. Is the paranormal actually normal? Experts at the Kosser Parapsychology Unit at Edinburgh University in Edinburgh, Scotland, are exploring just how common those ghost experiences may be. According to the Edinburgh Evening Post... French clinical psychologist Thomas Rayberon has begun a year of intense research, looking into the paranormal memories of people in the area, and has already documented more than 150 stories told by people who lead otherwise normal lives. Quote, They genuinely believe that these things have happened to them, are often very traumatized by these experiences, and are struggling to understand them. He is looking for common traits among those who have touched the other side to better understand if they are targeted, more inclined to experience something, or more likely to mistake a normal experience with a paranormal one. With a 27,000-pound grant, his study has also begun to expand, and the scientists will soon begin looking into poltergeist cases. Salem, Massachusetts is in the news again, and again, it has to do with the bickering sides of ghosts of the past. This week, the Park and Recreation Commission denied a request from the Rowland-based finders paranormal investigators to look into potential hauntings at the famous witch house, former house of Jonathan Corman, a judge during the famous Salem witch trials. According to the Salem News, Marion Curtin, one of the board members, sugged up reasons for the denial. I don't see what benefit the city would get from the people finding spirits there. She believes attention to ghosts would take away from the real story of Salem and downplay the historical significance of the tragedy that happened there. As the witch city, Salem has long taken advantage of its mark as ground zero of witch hunting. And many of the businesses rely on their exposure as haunted locations to make money. Defender of the paranormal group said it had hypocrisy in the decision. According to Eric Fraze, the witch king of Salem, who represented the group at the hearings, if they wanted to have respect, they would take the witch off the police cars. They'd stop calling it the witch city, and haunting happens would shut down. The group is free to appeal the decision and present their case again, which may be wise considering one of their strongest supporters was not at. The Thank you for listening to the Haunted Headlines. You can read more about these stories and others at the Ghost Village News Department at www.ghostvillage.com news. I'm Christopher Bolzano, and that's what's haunting me.
3: Spooky South Coast. That is the haunted headlines with Chris Balzano. A new feature we're going to have each and every week here on Spooky South Coast. In addition to the Week in Weird, so you're going to get all the paranormal, all the paranormal news that's out there. I almost said pornographic. news. <laughs> <laughs> we'll all give you that directly on our website. Right. That's, uh, right. Which uh, you know we're, we're working on the new keyword tags for the website. So you know Matt's like putting in porn, triple
4: yeah, X, get a lot of show, hits.
3: Whatever it takes to make sure that we get the traffic. Yeah. So uh, it's up there already. All right, so we we were talking about the Screaming Tavern tonight. We're gonna to have a lot more on that coming up for you in the coming weeks. Uh, we'd like to thank everyone who came in and joined us tonight. Uh, Jeff Melanger for co-hosting, Carl Wood, Phantom PI, uh, Andrew Lake of Greenville Paranormal Research, Mike Markowitz of All Things EVP. Uh, he's just if you need somebody to come and and, and check out some. Uh, Haunted Locations, definitely get in touch with him. Everybody's on our MySpace, too, so you can get right. a hold of him through that way. And uh, we're going to close things out tonight with the Spooky South Coast debut of My Christmas Tree is Haunted from Jeff Belanger and the Ghost,
4: Ghost Village, Village Memorial, Memorial Choir. Choir. Yeah. Rock on.
3: So, uh, Jeff, if uh, the FCC finds us for anything, that's, that's I'll directly take your fault. All right. Uh, until next week, we want you all to stay spooktacular.
1: Footsteps ain't no reindeer, you know what I'm saying? I think my Christmas tree is haunted, half the twinkling lights are out. <laughs> I said my Christmas tree is haunted, cause half the twinkling lights are out. Sing a Christmas carol, son. No, no, not about that one. I hate that one. Come on, sing me another one. I don't know about that one. God oh, just forget it. Christmas tree is haunted. Jingle bells are on the floor. I said my Christmas tree is haunted. Jingle bells are on the floor. There's footsteps in my attic and strange knocks upon my door. Who could that be? Right, I shouldn't be scared like this on Christmas. I should be making merry and drinking eggnog, you know. <laughs> Maybe I need to call me some ghost hunters or something. Whew. I don't know. I guess I just got to learn to live with it. Well, yeah, Merry Christmas anyway. Yeah, merry Christmas.